minute podcast we break down the knives out sequel one minute of screen time per episode i am your host for this week my name is paul francis sullivan but please by all means call me sully this entire week i've had the pleasure of having my guest host introduce yourself please andrew uh i'm andrew lindy well we've been talking about we're talking about minute 20 today which begins with Lionel wondering why she came. The question isn't why do you invite him? It's why did she show up? And ends with Bertie hugging a certain somebody with a guitar, serenading her at the end of a clear dock. Well, look at seen that this is a little bit of a travel log film as we're seeing the beautiful Greek sea but we're also seeing a little bit of the lunacy of the tech genius where they're, they're going along in the boat you see the island and then suddenly the dock with the clear statues coming out of the water like Atlantis um it's it, there's a certain, to me, personally, uh, a giant weird middle finger going on there. Is that Doc a Banksy? That these tech world people must have, as someone who worked in the tech world, I've seen some of these people, that, oh, the beauty of this Greek island wasn't enough. You had to create <laughs> this thing rising from the water to, to fascinate us. We're not, our jaw hasn't already been dropped. Uh, and... and few things and i'm gonna let you talk in a second Andrew. i just want to get all this out <laughs> yeah. of the way first few things madden me quite like false modesty like mm. oh i'm just a guy i'm playing my guitar playing blackbird on my guitar on the beach while on this incredibly pretentious and self-aggrandizing island it's like oh this oh yeah oh i just happen to be playing this guitar and uh that element of of you know insincere humility always makes me want to take a, a um you know a badminton racket to someone's face yeah this is a you know a, quite an introduction to the island itself to you know the the place that we're going to be for the majority of the rest of the movie yeah um i do think the dock is such a strange touch it's it's what made of glass and it's it's rising up out of the ground it's kind of uh seems very impractical yeah uh and i do love the um the little dialogue that that lionel that leslie Odom jr has with the the captain mm -hmm. uh which 
I had read that the captain was actually the captain. He was not an actor. He was someone who was captaining the boat and they the, basically had to beg him, please be in the movie. Please let us put you in the movie and, you know, say a line. Uh, yeah. Because he has like such a great look. Yeah. Uh, you know, a Greek captain. Um, and when the doc comes up, uh, he, Lionel says, is that doc a Banksy? Which it's it's such an odd thing for it's a 3D representation of the the Banksy, you know, graffiti art. Right. Of the guy throwing, you know, a Molotov cocktail that's it's such a weird thing. I didn't know that. Oh, made. that's what that. Oh, do I, I believe I, that's what it's supposed to be? Oh, I, okay. I thought it was like kind of like 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 Poseidon or something like. Yeah, that. I think it's it's it evokes that in a way. Yeah. But I I believe because he says, "Is it a Banksy?" And that's one of Banksy's most famous, um, oh, you know, street okay. art that oh. he's done. Yeah, and I tried to research. I couldn't. I mean, I, I'm sure it's somewhere in an interview. But I was like, how did they even? think to do the, like what you know what was ryan johnson thinking putting this in here it's such a weird thing to reference and it because it's 2d art being represented as a 3d glass sculpture it almost makes no sense when you look at it like like you're saying so you you didn't even recognize it because it's so bizarre and yet i think that's exactly tech geniuses like this they love weird art and they don't care if it makes any sense or not. They love well, it. You see that like crazy eventually. You're just yeah. when you get inside the place. But this is like, like the first glimpse of it where it's yeah. just like, this guy just buys the stupidest stuff. <laughs> yeah, really does. Um, and then the captain, um, he says the name of, he's, he's, which uh, I guess I will say it in a way that doesn't sound, I guess, as bad as, as it could be. Picha chat. <laughs> like it's kind of how he pronounces it. Uh, and uh, if if you say that a certain way, it sounds like another phrase that we can't say on this yeah. show. Uh, and that's kind of the perhaps an in-joke in the fact that, that this is not a very good doc. It's not a very good peer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we see, um, you know, we see them arrive there. And it's such a great star introduction of uh edward norton that we get to see him just completely you know look he looks like a movie he obviously looks great and everything but you get to see him look like a movie star but also just such a jerk you can mm. just tell right away this guy is such an a-hole that he's trying to be charming and self-effacing but like you know you you could understand why uh, an actor of Edward Norton's stature would want to be take this role, and it's funny. Like he has had a reputation of being a difficult actor to work with, and probably being, you know, may not be the you know greatest guy to have on the set, and being very self-important at some points in his career. But I think between this and some of the roles he's done in the Wes Anderson films he's done, he's shown, and also in Birdman, that he has mm -hmm. shown a certain, maybe a self. Uh, a self-awareness of his pretension that he may not have had earlier in his career mm -hmm. and that he may be playing off of that a little bit here. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, you know, he, this may be a little bit of when the, at one point, Robert Downey Jr. Went from being this out of control person no one can work with to becoming the, the massive movie star that he became and having a 
you know, a good reputation on the set. And I think part of that came from him embracing, and even his, his performance as Tony Stark was partly embracing his bad boy image and playing off of it. Uh, maybe this is him sort of saying, yeah, I, I was kind of a pretentious a-hole. Maybe there's a little bit of him being like, yeah, maybe I got to play off of that a little bit to, to get out the other side. Yeah, I think he's very, yeah, this, this role is him being aware yeah. of all of that and and trying to it's i mean and almost in that sense of uh playing off of older murder mystery type movies like the Poirot, you know films of of the what, 70s and 80s where it's when you have someone with your reputation in the movie you know whether that reputation is that they play good guys or bad guys and to see how that plays out in the murder mystery is is very interesting the, the two Knives Out films really have played a lot with people's expectations of, you know, their star expectations. The mm-hmm. first one subverted them like crazy. Yeah. Obviously, you have James Bond, you know, in a, the person we associate with James Bond playing this completely over-the-top Southern man. You have Captain America being an a-hole. And, you know, I mentioned some of that before. And here we're seeing maybe some people playing off of their... Uh, you know, Kate Hudson being kind of this, uh, you know, her first, her first foray in stardom was basically playing a uh, spiritual groupie in Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. And here she's someone who is also on the outskirts of fame, maybe for not for the right reason. Dave Bautista has, you know, has his wrestler background and his, his super macho background. And here he's playing a crazed version of that on you know on I, camera he, that and he is kind of the most fascinating i think in this movie batista uh because he plays a lot of sensitive characters in films yeah and so to have this the introduction to him in this film being oh he's so macho and that's what he's portraying and then to see how the film deals with that as as the plot goes on is that yeah. maybe he's not that macho maybe he is playing it up you know so it's it's I I think yeah this is definitely Edward Norton's introduction here, you know, as as a kind of a, a jerk. I mean we we miss the uh, the punchline to the to the guitar beat. That's in the next right. minute. That's out of our purview. But you know, it's we still know it's coming. So it's it still shows that he really doesn't care about anyone or anything. Now we're allowed to bring up spoilers on Friday. According to uh, yeah, spoiler Friday. Here spoiler we Friday. Are. <laughs> well, I will say that that we are seeing that a lot of this film is based on our obsession with public perception, and certainly, um, you know, the governor wanted to have a certain uh, perception of her as a candidate. The influencers and the 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 fashion influences of of Kate Hudson's character. And the 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 sort of the man the man's rights uh, you know macho ness and the tech genius of you know Edward Norton's character, we find eventually that none of those are none of those are real. Mm-hmm. You know the the tech genius isn't that smart. The the super macho man isn't that strong. The 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 politician isn't really a leader. That we're seeing that it's that they've created, they've sort of scaffolded a uh, images for everybody. Like the first time we go, we see the governor's house that she's trying to create this image of her that is completely bogus. Mm-hmm. 
and that a lot of this film is based on obviously things aren't what they seem in terms of credit for the creation of the company and everything like that that we see eventually unfolds and eventually even who janelle monet is yeah. is is not what it seems perhaps it weirdly all... the the biggest faker of them all in this you know in this group is her she's pretending to be her sister like it right. is you know everyone's pretending to be something else she's yeah. pretending to be someone else entirely and she has to create a new voice and persona and live another person's life while everyone else is pretending to be who they are projecting to be mm -hmm. and of course that's one of the great dangers of living on so much of our lives on on social media is that you're creating i'm guilty of this in in many ways in terms of the, the the fun baseball stuff that i do and 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 you're trying to create a persona on a podcast which is you know based upon me but it's not completely me and but you don't people don't post their bad moments can you imagine if people start posting their moments of self-doubt and bad moments on twitter and instagram you want to put your head in an oven so but everyone sort of projects themselves <laughs> in a you know i i do think there is kind of a, a a weird little movement of that happening with kind of um body positivity and mental health advocates where you know they're showing that not every day is like a sunshine day but it is definitely something that you it's not the norm it's not yeah. the norm at all yeah well, and and I think this film is, is you know, commenting on that. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we, who are we worshiping? And what are we, what are we projecting? And why is it so, why is, like, eventually when we see some of the life and death stuff that's happening, the thing that becomes the carrot that, that at least the Dave Bautista's character wants to have is not multi-million dollars, not ransom, but put me on this media platform where i can do my thing mm -hmm. like like that's more important than anything else and um i just think that it's uh yeah i think that it's one of the you know if you're peeling the onions if you will um a lot of this film is about people saying they're one thing and it turns out they're not that at all and uh i think it, it's a very interesting way to look at this film and to appreciate it. So, yeah, and definitely, I mean, once once they get to you know the way that Ryan Johnson uses structure in both films is very interesting because the structure of of uh, this film, the uh, the layering going on is that once you know you peel back one layer, you start to you see that what you saw you know is different in that sense. And uh, even in the first Knives Out, I think he he uses the structure kind of against the audience, where you think you know what happened, and then you you find out that there's more, of course. Yeah, and the, you think the murder is solved halfway through the film, and then you find out no, there's yeah that that, mm -hmm. that it peels it apart. Um, before we wrap up here, I did want to say that uh, for a while during my performing days, I worked for a murder mystery company where they would oh. put on murder mysteries and sometimes it would be at a corporate event or be a one night thing, but sometimes it was over a weekend and we would be in a place like a really fancy hotel in the Poconos or on, uh, you know, on Long Island. This is when I lived in New York and I was always the detective because oh. 
I look like I look like a cop. I kind of you know I have a face of a cop and the build of a cop, but I you know but I also was a very skilled imp- I was a skilled improviser, and so um, my friend Carlo was a very good cop. And at first I was his, his lieutenant on a couple of them. And then I started being the cop and then becoming the detective. Like the person who ran it would say, okay, we're going to send Carlo to this place. We're going to send Sully to this place. And uh, we would always put little in jokes, like uh, we got to call Carlo at the lab. And then he would, and, and apparently to this day, he still says, we got to call Sully at the lab. <laughs> um, but they were, I would be, I would come in, I was detective Sully and I would come in in my, you know, in my suit and everything. And there was stuff that, you know, the, the, the ones that would be in like a corporate setting, the, the, it would be kind of a parlor game and it would be people in the company would be in on it. These three people we would talk to ahead of time. And so, and they're like, Oh my God, it's Sally's the murderer. But the ones that were on the weekends were the wildest because you'd be in these fancy hotels and these people would pay a lot of money to try to solve the murder. And they and the other actors would be walking amongst the the as if they were guests in the hotel. So people were always looking around like, are you an actor? Are you not? But then and whenever I would be walking around, I'd always have to be in character. I couldn't be just, hey, leave me alone. I'm trying to watch the Red Sox game. Like, no, it's like I'm the like, what are you doing? I'm just thought I saw something over there. And like, you know, and but then we I remember we always had would have to have someone's room would be our safe house that we would go in there Mm -hmm. and just sort of, you know, like when we would take a break and you would order a pizza and hang out. Um, I said, if people really wanted to solve it, you would see which ones had Tupperware when they had all this food out because they would always have these incredible food spreads out and the actors would always be trying to sneak some Tupperware in and take some (laughs) of this food home with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, if they knew the actor life, they because and I'll tell you, I got paid well for them. Like I was mm. making some decent money with this, and they and I was apparently like Carlo and I were good. In fact, Carlo should be in this podcast too. But Carlo and I were good enough that you know we were based out of New York at the time, but um, we would they would fly us out to places. Like they flew me to D.C., they flew me to Chicago. Wow. Um, and then when I moved to California, they started booking shows in California. And then I was doing all up and down California. I did some in Phoenix and they were just, it was, uh, it was a blast. It was a real blast. That is so, uh, interesting. Did, was it, were there like rehearsals or were, was it all improv? Like how, how did um, that even go? We had a script okay. and we would, and we would rehearse, we would kind of rehearse like, okay, on this day, we're going to do A, B and C. And so, and like there would be me, my friend Fiona, my friend Pete, um, a couple other people, who we did it so often that we didn't need rehearsal. Like, we're going to do this storyline, yeah. okay? We got it. And um, we had to rehearse a little bit with um, our safe house. Would be a lot of times we'd go in there and say, okay, tomorrow when you do this, do this. There's this person there. Like so, we would kind of. It was almost like it was less of a rehearsal and more of like halftime at a basketball game, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, and everyone and, you know, there's one of the people I did them with uh, was named uh, I I, there was a group there. But when they started splintering off and I started being able to do my own as you get you get to be the cop and then they would say like, oh, uh, you know, do you do you know any improvisers that could be good in this? And I knew a ton of really good improvisers. 
in New York and have my friend Richie come up with me and be like, hey, do you want to make a couple hundred bucks and stay in a gorgeous hotel and eat great food and improvise for three straight days? And one of the people I brought along um, is a, uh, a woman named Kimmy Gatewood, who is uh, has become a very successful Emmy-winning television director, but uh, she also was in the TV show Glow on uh, Netflix, oh, wow. where she was one of the wrestlers. She played one of the wrestlers in Glow, and so um, and she was she's a good she's an old friend of mine and uh, extraordinarily talented comedic actress. And I was like, hey, do you want to go up to Syracuse with the like? It's like let's get three of our friends, jump in my car, drive, make a pile of money, have a ton of fun, and then come home. And so that's so. When, so when they're having a murder mystery night, I kind of smile. Like, yep, I used to do those. That used to be my thing. <laughs> so there you go. That's really cool. All right. Well, look at uh, look. You and I have been on the phone for a long for for. You know, get these done. So let's just wrap this up here. This has been uh, look. This has been a, a, a ton of fun doing this. Uh, I'm the host of the Locked On MLB podcast. We break down baseball, all major league teams, and I do five episodes a week all year long, even in the off season. I have a ton. In fact, the off season is really the time you want to talk baseball because during the regular season, if you want a baseball fix, yeah, watch a game. But in the off season, you need a baseball fix. And like, I need, I need a baseball fix. And you know, uh, you know, that's when I'm around. But uh, uh, and I've been a big part of the movie by minute world, and I've been a you know a TV producer and a filmmaker before. Uh, now I'm a special education teacher. You know, that's how it works. Hmm. So, uh, but if you follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball is my handle, and uh, that's where you can find a lot of stuff. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about where we can find your things? Uh, yes, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. Uh, I host Nothing New, a remake podcast. Uh, that's a monthly show about film remakes. Uh, they're always coming out, so there's always something to talk about. Uh, I have previously hosted uh, the Super Mario Brothers Minute and Dunstan Checks Min. Uh, both of those uh, are complete, uh, and uh, probably uh, sooner or later we'll get around to the new Super Mario Brothers movie, minute by minute. Uh, that's you know that's I'm it just came out, so uh, it's gonna yeah. maybe give it a little time. Uh, and and yeah, this has been uh, such a, a joy uh, this this week being on the Glass Onion Minute. Yeah, well, follow us on Twitter at Glass Onion Min, and uh, please rate, review, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Well, thanks so much for this week. Uh, I'll be back up in a couple weeks afterwards, but stay tuned for the next episode. We'll be covering Minute Twenty One, where you might find out who originally owned that guitar. On the next episode of Glass Onion Minute.